0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, this is a very familiar scripture to a lot, but let's just go here again tonight and talk about this for just a little while. What do you say? Book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7, Paul tells this Corinthian church, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And I realize that many times we quote the first part of that scripture, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. But Paul goes on to further define his stance, that the excellency of the power of God, or the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. I pray the Lord's word will bless our heart tonight and you may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for the gospel because it is the gospel that has saved us from our sin. Amen. I I, um, try very hard. I don't want anything I say tonight to be taken out of context, so I want to tread kind of carefully, but I try very, very hard not to take for granted my relationship with God, and the reason I say that is because I had the privilege, as did some of you sitting here, to be raised at least under the umbrella of church and the and, and the Word of God, and and to be raised in a righteous environment, and to be sure. And there are some here that can testify to this. That didn't cause me to start sprouting wings when I was 13. and I didn't start growing a halo, that's for sure. As a matter of fact, that didn't happen at 33 and it didn't happen at 43 and it hasn't happened at 51. <laughs> but I am thankful for the things that God has spared me from. I'm thankful for the gospel. I, I want so often to... Uh, shake myself when you meet people that have not had the privilege to, to really be exposed to the word of God or the power of God or the privilege to pray, the privilege to, to even know what to do in a time of a crisis or just the comfort, just to have the privilege to talk to God in relationship. It doesn't have to be a crisis, of course, that brings us to the altar and uh, when i meet people who who uh, are grown in their lives and they don't even know who abraham is or david and and i want you to understand something in in the church world and to many people that i'm talking here to this evening and i'm not trying to burst your bubble but you've been raised in a protected environment and there's a lot of people who don't who really don't have a clue about our little churchisms and and pentecostalisms and And they just don't get the vernacular that we use so freely on a daily basis. And so Paul is, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, a very troubled church. And Paul is reaching to them and teaching them, trying to bring uh, some order to disorder and harmony to disharmony. And and in his preaching, he was preaching not himself and not the power of Christ what they could accomplish in their own might or within their own will. But he said it is, it is this treasure in an earthen vessel. That's what we have. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I thought about today, as a matter of fact, I, I pulled up a file on my computer and I just went over some information that I am well versed with and, and familiar with about the function and the operation of this particular church. But I just, for the sake of uh, of the thought that was in my heart, I just wanted to read it again. And I looked at uh, what I refer to as our organizational chart. And I'm not talking about church organization. I'm talking about our organizational chart. And began to look at all the different departments and the functions of our church. And And uh, I wanted to do that slowly and methodically because I wanted to think about what we do as a church. I'm not here to crow at all tonight. I was just wanting to look at what we try intentionally to accomplish on a very regular basis. And so I looked at the men's ministry and I I saw our men's ministry director, Brother Donnie Osborne, and then all the men who work with him in various functions of the church, men's fellowships that Brother Kenny Townsend takes care of and some of our maintenance that... Uh, some of the men here in the church uh, take care of and they have jobs and they know what they're to do. Nobody's guessing about that. And our ladies' ministries and the ladies' prayer and the socials and all the things that take place. And I just went through those one by one by one. And thinking about not only as I read the various descriptions, but of course I had names to insert in those slots and to think about the value of that individual person to the overall function and the ministry of our church, and I thought about, and and I'm not going to try to belabor you by mentioning every department and every name, so you can relax relax about that, but I I just thought about the function of what we're trying to do on a regular basis. I've said this often, and and I, I am just echoing those who are in charge of this, and I've said often about our children's ministry, and they're joining us here tonight, and and uh, they they're doing that with intention because they don't want them to just know how to church have church out there with themselves but they want to know how to have church in here with us and so there's a there's a method to the madness and we welcome them here tonight in our worship service to know how to flow with the the service as it begins to move on and and uh, so don't don't mind some of them if they get unrestless or if they get restless rather as a matter of fact don't even mind some of the adults that get restless But we see what the Lord is trying to accomplish through reaching our children and our young people. And and I'm echoing the sentiments of, of their leaders whenever they say, we are not trying to have a glorified daycare. We're really trying to plant some principles and truths in the of the word of God in their lives. And so we have met regularly and and uh, we talk about where we are today and where we're going tomorrow and to hear their projections and their and their foresight of where we want to be and and we sense an absence of this and because there's an absence here we want to we want to get ahead of that curve and I'm in I'm encouraged by things like that that it 's not someone who 's just wearing a title and, and, and they 're just kind of begrudgingly going about their way i 'm thankful for that and I am thankful for our musicians and our singers, and I appreciate what they bring what they bring pardon this expression, but what they bring to the table week in and week out. And uh, we, we, don't, we don't find them up here and scurrying around at 729 or 959 trying to figure out what we're going to do. Somebody, somebody get a plan. And I can tell you that I've been in circles where it wasn't quite that way. And I'm thankful for their order and I'm thankful for their burden and their passion. I I am deeply humbled every Sunday when I think about uh, the, the people that are involved in outreach and that's not the only day of outreach but that is a day that it is at least highlighted and I see the van pulling out if I'm not on the van I see the van pulling out or if I'm coming back in from somewhere I see late in the evening cars still in the parking lot and these people are not out uh, just roasting marshmallows over a fire but they're propagating the gospel and I appreciate that I'm deeply humbled by that and I applaud the men and women who not only serve, in very visible capacities but I applaud those that also join behind the scenes so to speak and they serve with their hands in the harvest on prayer teams and they're praying about our, our our secular school teachers and the administration and they're praying we can stand with great confidence before people that we're ministering to in outreach ministries and tell them that we have people at home that are praying for you on a daily basis and that's not uh, that's not just a blanket statement and I'm thankful for that. I, I really appreciate that. And again, I say I applaud these men and women who have caught the vision of realizing that, that the hour is late and we must be about our Father's business. We must busy ourselves about the kingdom work. I've said many, many times that the kingdom of God is, is dynamic. It is not static. The kingdom of God is forever moving. So that's why we get in trouble when we stand still because the spirit of God is always moving. And so I want to be a part of that. But the scripture that Paul reminds this Corinthian church, and I want to borrow that to remind us here this evening with that same central thought is that the treasure that we have is in an earthen vessel the real thing is not the vessel but the real issue here is the treasure The gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the, of the Lord to save, to forgive, to heal, to redeem, to reconcile. I'm thankful for the power of the gospel. And, and so what we have this evening, and I am not now trying to turn around and smack everybody with this, but what we have this evening to offer the world that is the, as the the greatest value. It will be not it will not be programs, it will be it will not be our strength, it will not be our finesse, it, we're not going to stop meeting, we're not going to stop planning, we're not going to stop tweaking, we're not going to stop honing and polishing until Jesus comes. But if anything is ever accomplished, it will not be because we are necessarily having our hands to that particular thing. What must happen is behind this pulpit every time we come together is that we must expose ourselves to the, to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul said, let's make one thing clear. Amen. The power of God that we have, this treasure that we have is just in an earthen vessel. And sometimes we get our eyes on the vessel and not on the power that is within the vessel i was reading a little article today and uh, actually a true portion of history where a man who was serving as a uh, um, the, the, the title slips me now, but someone that in the city or the little town that everybody went to he, he just seemed to have so much wisdom he he just se- seemed to have a, an answer for everything and and uh, but the, the there was one problem the one problem was that that literally this man was one of the ugliest men in the town, and yet he worked for. The king. He worked for the leader. And, and so one day the, 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 the princess came and, and she was asking some advice. And, and, uh, and she said, How is it that you have all of this knowledge? How is it that that people can come to you and you have such wealth, uh, wellsprings of wisdom that are flowing and yet you yourself are so ugly? Amen. And he said, I, I ask you a question with a question. He said, Why is it? That your father who can afford anything keeps his best wine in a clay vessel. Why is it, why is it that your father that can afford the finest of the finest and the best of the best, why is it that he just keeps his wine, his best wine in the same vessel that just a common man keeps his wine in and with that seed planted in her heart and in her mind, she ran back to her father's house and pointed out this flaw in the system and started demanding that all the wine be poured up into vessels of silver and gold, not realized that that metal was going to taint the flavor of the wine and the next time wine was served it was served spoiled she immediately makes her way back down to the old ugly wise man and he realized or she realized that there was something inside of him that was far more valuable than what she could see on the outside I've said many times and don't mind repeating it one more time tonight amen that if you want to come here and find out all the things that are good about this church I would see you bring a sharp pencil and several pieces of paper but by the same token if you want to come here and find all the flaws you better bring a sharper pencil and maybe a few more sheets of paper but I'm going to tell you that in the midst of all of this earth in the midst of all of our failures, in the midst of all of our fractures, in the midst of everything we haven't got all swept up in a pile. I'm going to tell you the most powerful thing that will happen is when we come to this pulpit and someone walks to this pulpit, me or whoever it may be walks to this pulpit and begins to preach to us hope and that hope found in Jesus Christ. I hope as long as the doors are open and the lights are on and breath is still within us somebody can say then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm thankful for that passage of Scripture but I don't want to ever lose sight of the 37th verse because it is there that it begins. Amen. That's what we need. Not just Acts 2.38. Amen. Acts 2.38 will mean nothing if there's not somebody standing in the crowd and and when they heard this they were pricked in their hearts. And so I, so I say Lord help us realize to every singer, every musician, every teacher every leader, whatever we are doing that our mission will not be complete just because we folded the songbook. Our mission will not be complete just because we closed the Bible or vacuumed the Sunday school room and locked the door promptly behind us. Our mission will only be complete when we find our somewhere between the porch and the altar and say Lord this is not about the vessel amen but this is about what's inside the vessel this is not about this building and this is not about our talent our ability but this is all about you why don't we clap our hands to the Lord <clears throat> We're not here because of our own strength. I'm thankful for what we have. I'm humble for what we have. But we're not here because of our own strength. I'm thankful for every leader, I'm thankful for every giver, for every person who serves, but we are here because of the gospel. Because long before, if we just talk about the history of this particular church, long before there were padded pews and air conditioners and heat, and, and long before there were a lot of things we've talked about here this evening, there was just a group of people that came together by faith whose lives had been impacted, I'm not being cynical, and I'm not being unkind to our leadership, and I hope you know that, but long before, long before there was anything organized, long before there was anything pulled together, there was a group of people that came, and just heard the simplicity of the gospel being preached. A gospel that could change the life of a man or woman who was lost. A gospel that could deliver from sin. A gospel that could deliver from alcohol. A gospel that could deliver from nicotine. A gospel that could take promiscuousness out of our lives. A gospel that would clean our mind. Amen. Not just our hands, but our soul. I'm thankful for the power of the gospel. And when the gospel was without any pomp, without any circumstance, without any finesse, without any flair. But when the gospel was preached, men and women were moved in their tracks. I say, Lord God, thank you for everything you've given us. Amen. But the scripture tells us that he would, that we'd be in good health and prosper, even as our soul prospers. And I'll tell you that a building, a building with a steeple that touches the clouds will do us nothing. If we don't allow the power Power of God to raise and elevate our spiritual expectations as well, because it is not about the earth vessel; it is about the power that is inside the vessel. And so the treasure is there. The Bible talks about what man, when he would go and find a treasure in a field, wouldn't go sell everything he had. And by the field. Why? Because he realized in the field. This was not about getting a deed to a piece of property. This was not about framing something to hang on the office wall and fold our arms and think about what we have accomplished. But this was about a treasure that he knew was in the field. And so I say, Lord, help me to never lose sight of the fact that the treasure is your spirit. The treasure is your power. And so maybe the song didn't come off as planned, or maybe the program didn't go as cute, or maybe the... The video, maybe something messed up and the, and the sound wasn't with the video or whatever. Amen. That's not what's going to be most important. What's going to be most important is that somebody sitting in this building felt the power of God start tugging at their heart. It doesn't just have to happen while the preacher's preaching. As, as a matter of fact, that should never be the only place that somebody is touched. But I think from the very first note, from the very first song, amen, there ought to be something that starts gripping the hearts of men. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, it ought to bring tears to eyes of sinners. It ought to bring it ought to bring stirring to the soul of those that are wayward. It ought to bring something in our heart that says, "I got to get closer to this." I don't know what it is, but I just got to have that. I've just got to have that. There's just something about the power of God to touch us, to save us. You see, in a darkened building, real darkened building. It doesn't take much light to be significant light. As a matter of fact, I customarily keep my phone beside my bed and, and if I have to normally get up in the middle of the night, I just I just do that. And I'm just walking around the house. It's not a lot of light. You, it don't even make any difference in this house right now. But I want to tell you, at three in the morning, it makes all the difference in the world. Amen. It's the difference between making it there safely and back <laughs> and not... It's a deal breaker. And so it just depends on how dark the night. And so sometimes we're worried about a lot of things that we really shouldn't be worried about. And we're not worried nearly enough about the things that we ought to be worried about. Him and I I want it to be as good as we can get it. I want it to be as close to the top as we can possibly get it every time but i'll tell you what we need is the anointing of God we need the power of this treasure upon our lips because there's just something about there's something about that season of time when things get easy that it's a tendency that to kind of slack up and, and let up and say well we can kind of go now we can just kind of we can let this coast a little while but I suggest to you tonight that they, there cannot be one day there cannot be one service. I'm I'm, I'm being serious tonight. There cannot be one service where we just come with a toothpick in our lips and say, well, it's just us and it doesn't matter. Oh, no, 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 no. Amen. Don't you ever think about it's just us. It's never just us. Amen. The treasure is in this house and we don't know who's treasure hunting. We don't know who is searching for a treasure even in this own house tonight. And so that's why we got to give it everything we have. We got to push with all that We've We got to give our very best. Why? Because this is not about us. This is about the treasure that's in the vessel. Amen. The best that we can ever be will fall miserably short if we do not have the treasure in our presence. I know it's a lot of reading, but I tried to figure out a way to trim some of this out. But I I think we got time to do it. I want you to go to Deuteronomy with me. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, or chapter 8, excuse me, I'm sorry, chapter 8. And verse number 1. And so this is the Lord kind of speaking now to the children of Israel who have come through some horrendous things, some very serious trials and, and testing. And it and and it it, it proved the fabric of everyone that was in this camp, including Joshua and Caleb. It tried them to the very core of who they were. But this is what the Lord said in Deuteronomy 8 and 1, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee. You're not just on some random journey here. But there's something wrong whenever you get to the edge of the promise. And you get to the edge of the promise and you decide to send somebody in to think whether or not and decide whether or not we can take this. There's something wrong in your spirit because your focus and your time and your attention is about whether or not you can take care of the walled cities. And whether or not you can handle the giants. And whether or not you can be a victor instead of a victim. There's something wrong in your spirit. And so I pray that the God of heaven tonight will hear us. And that we'll see this power, passage of scripture, and apply its power to our lives. He said, I left you for 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. And to prove you to know what was in thine heart whether thou would keep his commandments or no. He mean, he said, I wanted to try you. I wanted to test you. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. I want you to understand something. You are used to slaughtering your own hogs. You're used to slaughtering your own cattle. You're used to growing your own corn, making your own meal, and doing your own thing. But I'm going to put you in a position where it's going to be my voice that'll call for the manna every day. It'll be my voice that provides something for you. You've got to learn something here. That I am the, he said later, or he said in the book of Numbers, I am the Lord thy God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. God. I am the Lord your God. Hey Amen. This passage or what I just quoted... a commandment that the Lord told Moses to tell them because of their murmuring and their complaining. He said, "I I want you to tie in the border of your garment a ribbon of blue. And when you look down and you see that, then He said, that is to remind you that I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. And so when you look down, when you think there is nowhere else to go or nowhere else to turn remember I'm God and I brought you out I'm God and I said let it be and it was so I'm God I'm God and I did this he said I did this to prove you man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live verse 4 thy raiment wax not old upon thee neither did thy foot swell these 40 years 40 years a lot of cute comments could be inserted here but I'm going to tell you that God kept their garments and God kept their clothes. He said, I'm going to take care of you. You're not going to want for one thing. Amen. I did that to prove thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. Verse 7, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without... Sacredness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of it whose heels thou mayest dig brass, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Let's keep reading. Stay with me now. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, when I command which I command thee this day, lest When thou hast eaten and art full. Here we come now. Amen. Now we're coming home. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full. And hast built goodly houses. And dwelt therein. Amen. Verse number 13. The Bible says. "And, And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply. And thy silver and thy gold is multiplied. And all that thou hast has multiplied. Then thine heart be lifted up. And thou for Get the Lord thy God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Amen. He, he said, When you get where everything is fine, when you get where you don't have to worry about that manna on the ground, when you get where you don't have to worry about how hard the rain's gonna come down. He said, You gotta be careful. Right there's what you gotta do. You gotta be careful and realize that when you back up, you don't need to back up and say that's the house that these hands built. But he said, you need to back up and say, that's the house that God gave me. Amen. That's the house that God provided for me. When I, when you read through the beginning part of, of the Old Testament and you begin to talk and hear the word of the Lord as it comes forth. And, and essentially I'm paraphrasing, but the Lord says, whenever I need carpenters, I'm going to put that gift in the mind of men. Amen. I'll allow them to learn how to do that. And when I need somebody that to be a goldsmith, he said, I'm going to give them the knowledge. I'll give them the ability. I'm in the book tonight. Amen. When I when I need a blacksmith I'll take somebody who knows nothing about it. Amen. And I'll put that knowledge and that gift in him. I'm going to tell you when we back up and fold our arms and say I want you to look what we've done. I want you to look what we have accomplished. We need to hear Paul stand up and say wait a minute. We wait a minute. Amen. This treasure we have. Amen. is in an earthen vessel it's not about the vessel. It's about the treasure. It's not about not what's holding it. It's about what's inside. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse number fifteen. He said, "Who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, where, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water? Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and make." That he might prove thee and do thee good at the la- at thy latter end, and thou' say in thine heart my power and 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 the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, oh help us tonight, he's me he said, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, amen that he may establish his covenant, which we swear unto your fathers as it is this day, and it shall be if thou do it all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face so shall you perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God and so I say tonight amen I want to try to stand beside the apostle Paul and let us realize that the treasure amen it's not the vessel the value is not the vessel the value is not me the value value is not you. The net worth is not you and I. But what makes this service what it is tonight is the almighty power of a living God. Amen. I can only reach my hands so far, but they're going to just stop. I can only reach so far. Amen. But there is an all extended hand of God that can touch every heart, every mind, every soul. I can't do much on my own, but there is a God in this house that is not limited to anything. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, You gotta be careful. You gotta be careful when you get in those good houses. You gotta be careful when you get Amen. You gotta be careful when there's plenty of gold. You gotta be careful when there's plenty of silver. You gotta be careful you gotta be careful when the vines are pulled down with their fresh fruit. That's when you gotta be careful. A few years ago I was Shaken to my very core as were I think many hundreds of men as we stood in our district men's conference some of you men will remember Brother Roland Baker preaching a message just simply entitled Kept about keeping the word he meant about one of the churches of Asia that had, that had kept the word that was their claim to fame they kept the word Amen. That, that, that's what put them on the map was that they kept the Word. Brother Baker talked about when he and his wife were young in their ministry and they were traveling as evangelists and they were invited to preach in a very large church. And so they were excited about going there. They had heard about that church and, their, and its history and things of that nature. And some of you men that were there know where I'm going with this. And so he said that when they got to the church and they began to walk around, it was very obvious that the sanctuary had been locked off. And I remember him kind of holding his hands up as he was reenacting that moment of peering through the glass, staring into that, as he called it, big cavernous sanctuary that was just dark and empty. Amen. And when it got time for their revival services, when it got time for the evangelists to take the floor, they were holding the service, the revival services in the foyer of the church. Because the church had been in revival. The church had been on fire. The church had been in the flow of the vein of what God was doing in that hour. But somewhere they must have got to lean in on their own strength. Somewhere they got, must have got to thinking that we can do this ourselves. We can we can accomplish this ourselves. And so they didn't need the sanctuary. The foyer would hold all the people that were in the revival meeting. What are you saying? I'm saying because we feel God here tonight is not an indication that we ought to fold our arms and say, well, look what we've done because I'm telling you, amen, that you can lose all of this. Hear me, church. Amen. I love the unity that we have. I love the spirit of harmony that we have. But you can lose all that just because you have it tonight doesn't mean you're going to have that perpetual And so I say, God, help us to remember one thing. Lord, help me tonight now. Amen, Brian, don't get offended. But more than we need a piano player, we need Jesus Christ. Amen. More than we need a drummer, we need Jesus Christ. More than, hear me, more than we need anything else in this world, we need Jesus. Amen. More than we need a Sunday school department, more than we need a children's ministry, more than we need a student ministry, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus. If He's not in our midst, it's all for nothing anyway. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Oh, my Lord. He's not here tonight. I may have told this before, but He's not here tonight. So I'm going to take a little liberty But and I'm not suggesting Brother Fears is the only praying person we got in this church but he is a praying individual and I thank God for his prayer line. I'm privy to a lot of things that a lot of people don't see because I get here at different times. But I walk in Sunday school's annex and I hear Brother Fears' voice in those Sunday school rooms long before the teachers ever... Unlock the door. He's already been there. His handprints already on the doorknob. His knee prints already in the carpet. God, dear God, dear God. Amen. Sometimes because all the doors are closed, all God can hear is just the muffled tones of His voice crying out to God, crying out to God. Amen. Brother Fears is a very humble man. If you know him, you know that. Amen. I remember one Sunday, and this has been a few years ago now, and and so don't don't take this out of context. But I remember one Sunday after a long, long time of just praying and petitioning God, pleading for the Lord to meet with Sunday school teachers and with musicians and with singers. I heard a light tap at my office door. I said, "Come in." And Brother Fears opened the door. He just stuck his head in. His face was flushed red. His eyes were nearly swollen shut. And he said, "Pastor, I just want you to know one thing." Heaven's not that far now. And he pulled the door closed. Amen. That wasn't a man say, Hey, I just prayed. I want some brownie points. But it was a man, Amen, that understood the value that heaven's not that far now. Amen. I don't know how far it was when I started, but I reached up and I got a hold of it. And I pulled that glory world a little bit Closer to the natural world that we're all gonna walk into. I say, oh God, help us to realize I'm gonna tell you something broke in my spirit. Brother rather when he said, when he said that, he pulled the door closed. I said at my desk, and I began to weep openly. I thought, oh God, amen. Here we're worried about this and here we're worried about that. But I'm glad somebody stopped to say, Hey heaven, we need you to show up today. Hey, heaven, we need you to come down. Hey God, we need you to come here. Hey, Lord, we need you to show up in our midst oh hallelujah hallelujah amen well goodness gracious I don't know what's going on I've just about preached you sweet folks to death the last few services and I'm sorry about that but I'm telling you that God is stirring God is moving He's wanting to do something in our spirit Amen. I know we've heard it said so many times. We've heard it said so many times. Some are almost getting tone deaf to it. But I'm telling you, God is shaking. God is moving and stirring. Amen. God is just touching and moving the hearts of men and women. And so that's why I've come to this pulpit tonight to tell you I want to stand. I'm not worthy, but I want to stand by the Apostle Paul who didn't have it all together. He didn't have it all on one limb. No, 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 no. He wrestled. He wrestled with his own insecurities. Can you imagine? I talked about him, I think Sunday, but can you imagine? I talked about him from the vantage point of somebody else, of other widowed women or how they're fatherless children, but can you imagine the Apostle Paul, that when he walked in those churches, and he realized I've got blood on my hands, when he realized that little lady sitting over there because of me, she doesn't have a husband, those children are going to be raised without a father because of me and so if I may say it this way the Apostle Paul had his own demons to deal with, and then we know that he had a thorn in the flesh, and it's not even up to us to try to figure out what that is, but we know that it was something that hindered him, and he sought God no less than three times and when the Lord finally just whispered from heaven, Paul, my grace is sufficient, he said, okay God, amen, I'll just take the anointing in my life over the deliverance amen, if it means you're moving in my life, if it means you're moving in my spirit, then Lord, I don't want to lose this and so I'll deal with this agony, I'll deal with this every day and so Paul was not some pompous, arrogant man but Paul was a broken man in many respects, he said I'm the least in the kingdom. I'm the least of all men. But he stood up and said, Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. It is not with the excellency of speech. It's not by the power of my mind. It's not the the finesse. It's not going to be my strength. But it's going to be the power of God. The power of God in us. That's what will make the difference. The power of God in us. Amen. Oh, God. Oh, God. How many times in Scripture... You read of men who were who were so fearful in and of themselves and yet God would choose them and pull them out. A man who was hiding behind the wine press. The Lord said, Hey you, me? You gotta be kidding. I'm gonna use you. Oh Lord. We've got the wrong number. We've, we've got crossed up somehow. Some, surely you're not talking about me. Yeah, I'm talking about you, but there's one thing wrong. You've got too many people. So you're rid of this. Well, oh, Lord. Oh, you got to be kidding. Surely, surely you're kidding. And the Lord, when He got through, He said, I'm going to do this, lest anybody in Israel say, We won. We didn't. When I am through with you, you. And every man left standing in that scant army is going to have to acknowledge that this wasn't me, but this was God. This was God. I figured out a few things along the way if our musicians would come. I figured out a few things along the way. I'm searching for many, many, many more answers and that's not false humility. But I figured out this. That man can do nothing to redeem man. I, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I have thought before if we have so-and-so. Oh, surely. They come, they preach, they sing, they do their thing. Only to see people get up and walk away unchanged. I, I, I trust that the rest of my... all the other parts of my life, past and future, will validate that I am not hurling stones when I say what I'm about to say. But I want to tell you that there are foundations... That have been laid in churches. Strong churches. Strong in doctrine. Strong in the anointing. And those foundational stones were laid by some men who could not even read and write. I need some of you elders to speak up with me now. Am I telling the truth? If they weren't. Illiterate, literally. Many of them were unlearned. But they were so hungry to be used of God that they yielded themselves to the voice of God. And they just began to preach without a lot of flash or flare. They just began to preach. I'll not call his name because I'm sure most of you would recognize him. But I've heard Brother Williams talk about it several times and he certainly always said this in the right spirit and the spirit I'm standing in. He said, I watched him preach and all through the years not a lot of power and dynamite not a lot of flash maybe nobody even stood but he said, I'll tell you this when he got through preaching and he closed the Bible the altars filled up and people repented people got the Holy Ghost and I'm going to tell you that convicts me that convicts me I'm not being unkind but I've seen us have some of the best church you'd want to have just great worship power of God and you almost have to beg saints to respond there's something wrong there's something wrong saints ought to be getting run over by sinners and sinners run over by saints. Amen. I'm saying, Lord, help us to realize that this is not us. How could all this wisdom be in such an ugly man? He said, well, I'll ask you a question with a question. Why is it that your father who can buy the cattle on a thousand hills keeps his best wine in a common man's vessel she ran home she thought with a new idea we're going to be better than anybody we'll be different only to not understand that you're destroying the power of what's in the vessel I say Lord help us to do the best job that we can but oh God we need you in our midst. Why don't we stand? Can we just gather around the front? In the name of Jesus, we need Your authority today, God. We need Your presence. We need Your power. Oh God, we need Your Spirit to touch us. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. The power of Your Spirit.